Nestled between the pine-clad mountains of the Blue Ridge, Lake Chicassee is a South Carolina summer paradise. Cliff-jumping spots, rope swings, and pine groves line the edges of coves, and Bahama blue waters lap against the rocks and white sand beaches. You can see your toes when you're standing chest deep, but many don't know about the secret that is kept 300 feet below them. Hey guys, I'm Kaylee Armitage, your host of Traverse Pod. And over the past few weeks, I've dove into exploring a quaint 1970s mountain town that now lies on the floor of South Carolina's Lake Chicassee. Before 1973, Chicassee Valley was home to a bustling town, filled with homes, churches, beds and breakfasts, and even a girls' summer camp. The town was ideal for summer getaways because of its diverse wildlife, cool, crisp Appalachian rivers, and stunning mountain views. Now the town, its forests, buildings, and stories are still there, but for divers to explore. Keep listening to learn about how this town turned into a lake in just two weeks, and to hear from an expert diver and his experience exploring South Carolina's underwater ghost town. In 1973, Duke Power, now Duke Energy, started the flooding phase of its Kiwi Toxaway project. The project involved damming the Toxaway and Whitewater Rivers, which would create a series of reservoirs. The project was developed to generate clean electricity. Their website claims that their project created, quote, many natural attractions, a significant wildlife habitat, and recreational opportunities for local residents and visitors, end quote. They emphasize heavily that this project benefits the people and nature. But it came with a price, and many of its displaced residents feel it destroyed a flourishing mountain town, along with their childhood homes and memories. Debbie Fletcher, a once resident of Jacassi, says that her family used to own Atacula Lodge, a popular bed and breakfast where she would spend her summer months growing up. When Duke Power was preparing for the project, they bought up as much land as they could, but Fletcher's family refused to sell the lodge. A few years after, it was smothered with water, and a few years after that, divers were finally able to locate the summer refuge. The frigid temperature and lack of oxygen slow the decomposition process. There's still paint on the handrails, and many say it's a surreal diver's playground. I was curious, and to find out more about this spooky site, I spoke to Bill Ruth, owner of Dive Jacassi, who's an expert on exploring the lodge. Upstate dock repair, this is Bill. First, Bill took me 300 feet below the surface to the Atacula Lodge. Big, great chimney going all the way through the building, up through the roof. There's paint on, on the walls. Wood on the ceiling is beaded, and the walls are smooth. I asked him about his first time ever seeing the lodge, and he really has a story. It was, it was rather emotional. By then, Debbie Fletcher and I had become good friends. It was something so special to her. It was one of those things that wasn't supposed to be there. All the rumors up until the point that we found it said that this thing had been seen floating around in the lake for weeks and finally it just disappeared. He says that it feels like going back in time, but without some of the pieces. Bill told me that once it was clear the project would happen, Debbie's dad began to repurpose parts of the lodge, giving pieces of tin to someone who needed to fix a barn roof and finding other uses. I had no clue that this, this shed in my backyard was built from the material that came out of Atacula Lodge and off the sides. Finding this out was ironic for Bill, who spent four years trying to find the lodge, unknowing that part of it was already in his backyard. 
When Bill met Debbie, he was researching the girls' camp, whose ruins are also on the lake floor. He ended up finding out more about the Atacula Lodge than about the girls' camp, and Debbie gave him a surveyed map of Jacassi that she got from Duke Energy. took a copy of that document that she gave me to, my, um, to a surveyor and had him triangulate known places in the valley that, that we had GPS coordinates and asked him to triangulate and give me his best guess for a GPS coordinate for where to look for the hotel. So, one night, at 2 a.m., Bill went out on his boat to try to find the lodge using the GPS coordinates. I didn't have to fight the waves or boat traffic or, you know, the glare of the sun. And I just slowly maneuvered in the dark and followed a search grid and looking for, you know, looking for something that says this is the foundation. And the next thing I know, you know, a wall comes into view. I lift my camera, and the more I lift my camera, the more and more of the building I was looking at, like four in the morning. And I typed an email to her, Debbie Fletcher, and several of my dive buddies, and hit send. And then I'm just sitting there for four hours, and somebody to get up and read their email. Finally, about 7.30, I decided to call Debbie Fletcher and ask her if she'd read her email this morning. She goes, no, I'm on my way to work, almost there. Um, I haven't looked at my email yet. And I said, all right, well, call me when you look at your email. And she went upstairs to her office and got on the phone with me, and she was freaking out. Let her know that it was not lost. So that was the first person that I actually told and had that conversation with was Debbie. So that even made it even more special. But diving that deep comes with some challenges. When I first found this hotel, I was not qualified to do a 300-foot dive. Bill explained that below 180 feet, the pressure exerted on the gases like oxygen and nitrogen turns what we call normal air toxic. Oxygen at high pressures can cause convulsions, and high-pressured nitrogen creates something Bill calls the martini effect. Breathing air at 100 foot is like taking a martini. You go to 130, it's two martinis. If you go to 150, that's three martinis. At 180 feet, that's four martinis. You're going to be pretty loopy. Everything's going perfect. You're having the best time of your life. If something goes wrong, how well are you going to handle that? That, that problem. This is a science that Bill says takes years of training. you got to switch from one tank to another tank depending on what depth you're at. The gas that we breathe is only good for, for that particular depth of the dive. Not to mention all the gear they have to carry. I'm wearing five or six tanks. For all this, they don't get much time at the bottom. Bill says that divers only really get 15 minutes before they have to spend two hours slowly returning to the surface and reacclimizing to the pressure, or they'll run out of air. Most of it is just coming up 10 feet and wait. Come up mm-hmm. 10 feet, wait. Bill says he'll plan a 15-minute Atacula Lodge dive for months. But the lodge isn't the only thing divers can explore in this underwater ghost town. The town is still home to a bridge, a girl's summer camp, and a cemetery. Bill has a special place in his heart for the cemetery and took me down there as well. Picture walking through a cemetery on a winter night with a full moon. It's like a stroll in a cemetery under the moonlit sky. When you look up and you look around, you see trees without leaves, 
you know, the trees are all around the graveyard. The cemetery is surrounded in trees. And you just look up and it's, it's, it's just a winter scene. Um, the, the sunshine coming down through the above would be the equivalent of a moonlit, you know, winter evening. Um, so it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool to dive on the cemetery. Bill and his divers make sure they do their part to maintain the respect and peacefulness of an out-of-water resting place. One of the grave markers down there is for a young girl that died two weeks before her second birthday. You know, we try to do something special on her birthday and try to get a dive in, you know, somewhere around her birthday. Um, and we've had people that have taken stuffed animals down and put stuffed animals next to her headstone, um, little porcelain lamp. Somebody brought that and put that down, you know, near the headstone. The story of Jacassi is a bittersweet one, but its memory lives on in the diving world and in the memories of the children it raised. As I wrapped up my research, I found that the name of the town Jacassi literally means the place of the lost one. I thought this was kind of ironic. Did its name come true? Alright guys, thanks for traversing through South Carolina's underwater ghost town with me. Follow along for more adventures on my website and my Instagram. If you're still curious about Jacassi, check out the links in the description. There's an article about the Tux Project, Debbie's Childhood Memories, and even a video of an Atacula Lodge dive. And if you're super curious, book a tour with Bill and the rest of his team at jacassidiveshop.com. Their website is also in the description. Okay guys, go traverse.